thank you all for being here. Thank you for coming and joining us tonight. All right, it's not by coincidence. Uh, I know I introduced myself, but again, I'm Rasan. I'm actually the pastor here, but I won't be speaking. <laughs> but try not to. Uh, we had a treat because, uh, you know, I spoke a couple weeks back about, uh, you know, giving our testimony. You know, we can't be ashamed of giving our testimony. And uh, really, and I talked about how, you know, sometimes when we read the New Testament, we, we focus in on uh, Paul. And, you know, we focus in on his letters and we, we see, you know, he talked from his letters. But when he went before, you know, when he was in the synagogues, when he went before the kings, he really gave his testimony. And that's what drew people in, you know. So as you, you know, you go, and the perfect example of that is in Acts uh, chapter 26, where he's standing before the court, the kings, and all he did was give his testimony. That's it, you know. Nothing more, nothing less. Why? Because his testimony talked about what Christ did in his life, right? None of us are perfect, right? We, we've all made mistakes, and Christ has brought each and every one of us from something and through something. You know, and I, and I hate that. This came to me earlier today where, and I'm not going to mention the, the Christian rapper's name, but that I heard years ago, he had a song, and he was, and it was in reference to, at the, there was a, in the beginning of the song, it was a prelude where there was somebody giving their testimony and how they were delivered and from shooting guns and things like that. Then he gets up, and, well, he's thinking of himself, but he, he's saying that he doesn't have a testimony. You know, because sometimes we think other people's testimonies are better than ours, right? But he was raised in a good home, is what he was trying to say. And, you know, his parents had him listening to Billy Graham and reading Oswald Chambers. But that was his testimony, right? So he wasn't out there robbing, shooting, and things like that, but he had a testimony, right? And, and we don't compete with our testimonies. Amen. We don't, we don't compete. Amen. That's not what we're designed to do, right? Like I said, we've all been delivered through something, and you know, and we're gonna do this again. But you know, today we're gonna have a uh, speaker, Ashton, to to come and give a testimony. You know, uh, some of us have heard it before, but we should always continue to hear it again because you know, as you know, as we listen to what sometimes you know, you may see her now when she gets up here. Some of y'all wonder who is it gonna be. <laughs> but you know, you may wonder, well, you know, she she has an act together, she's good. But you know, again, just listen to the testimony and what Christ did in her life. Amen. So at this time we're gonna call Miss Mrs. Marie Osmore to come on up. Amen. just looks different. And so that's a that's a blessing to see how God 
keeps us. Amen. So, in um, Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in him. I, that is, I, I like what this says because it is so simple. I mean, taste, we, we enjoy eating, we enjoy foods, we enjoy wines and drinks and things of that nature that the world gives us. And we, we take it in as a taste. But did you ever think to taste the Lord and see his, and taste his goodness? What that really tastes like. Some of us, as, as Pastor Rasan mentioned, I grew up in a family that I had a mother and a father. I had sis, two sisters. One um, is 11 months older than myself and one is six years younger than myself so I'm middle child and I don't know how many of you out here can um, you know, know what being that middle child is about but it's, you can get away with some things when you're the middle child because maybe the older one is giving them a little bit much and the younger one comes along and they need much more so the middle one kind of gets lost in there <laughs> and having said that my family, they were young. My parents were young when they got together. And so their example of being a parent came from where they came from. So my dad was raised with a single mom, and there was no male figure in his household. And my mom, though she had a mother and father, her mother was sick all in, and with excruciating migraines and issues of sadness and depression and she spent a lot of time in a dark room with the windows closed and not much connection with her children though she had three of them and so that was their example my grandfather he did um he gambled he uh, wasn't at home a lot he was in the service they traveled a lot so they were going from one place to another and my mom kind of ended up being the head of the house, so to speak. She took over all the duties. And one of those duties was that on Sundays, she would gather her two brothers up, one being younger, one being older than her. She was also the middle child. And on base, they had a denominational churches for everyone. They visited every church, not so much to hear the word, but they did hear it but to get the cookies and the treats that were there <laughs> because no one was up in the house and no one was there to take them. But my mom learned a lot from going to these churches, and she learned a lot from her grandmother, who loved the Lord, and her aunt, who also had a relationship with God, and they poured into her. And even though she was young, it was there. Um, I'm going to get one thing over here. Can you hand me that, please? My mom grew up, and my dad grew up, in a Catholic religion, and so the rosary is something that was you know, very important for them growing up. It meant, it meant a lot to, to my mom, and she raised us in the Catholic religion as well. As I grew up, because my dad didn't have a father, and he and my mother got together very young, he didn't know how to parent, and in his inability to parent, 
Uh, he would get a little angry and upset at times, and I would be the wrath of his being upset. Didn't really understand why, because I was young. But as I grew, God would show me in his love what was happening back then. When I was about nine, my mom and dad had separated for probably about the third time, fourth time. It was a revolving door with their relationship. And in this, during this time period, um, I was hurt. I was, I was hurt. My older sister, she kind of um, faded away like a wallflower. Her entertainment was television, and she would focus in on the television. But I was not that first, and I was not that child. I was that child that wanted to be in up, up in the business of what was going on, and that's not where my father wanted me. Children were to be seen and not heard. And so um, he showed us, or showed me, uh, what he, you know, what he meant by that by disciplining me. And so, therefore, in this discipline, uh, my mom would pick up the slack, and she would, after he would leave the house, she would bring me um, food to eat because he would, he would say, you know, don't, she's not eating anything today. And after he left, mom would be like, hey, mom, here's, here's, here's your dinner. It's underneath the bed. When daddy leaves, you can, you can get that, that meal. And so that was my life for a long time. And when my dad left on the third, the third time, my mom saw a big change in my continence. I was very sad, very unhappy. As a nine-year-old, I shouldn't be lashing out. Um, even thinking about that death would be more inner, you know, would be better than to be alive at nine. What do I know about death? You know, at that at that point. But then Mama had to go to work because Dad was no longer there to supplement for the income, and Mom had always been there. She was always there, and all of a sudden she was missing, and she was absent, and we were having to depend on babysitters to take care of us. Well, my mom was very blessed, or should I say, we were very blessed, that one of the sitters that she was. Um, she took us to was a foster foster family, and they had a lot of children that they took care of, and now we became part of that family. The Williamses—that's their—that was their name, Mr. and Mrs. Williams. And the thing that—and I didn't know about God, not the way I know about God today, because growing up in the Catholic religion, it was like you learned about the saints and you learned about other methods of religion, other things about religion. Um, but you didn't learn about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a change that is. What a change maker that was. I saw something happening on Wednesday nights at the Williams' house. Every Wednesday night, cars would start coming in. And this curious kid that I was, I wanted to stay around and see what was going on. So my mom allowed me to because Ms. Williams lived in our neighborhood and I could get myself home safely. And I would watch, and they had a house that had a basement that had these little windows that were um, just above ground level. And I would watch through the window as the people started singing the songs like we need to finish singing here inside us about God and being awesome and what a mighty God he was. And their hands lifted up 
and I could swear, and I know now that's exactly what I was seeing, but I didn't understand it when I, at the time, because I had not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. I could see just flickers. I could see angels' wings. I could see these things inside that room as they praise this God. God. I was like, I, I didn't even know about praising God in this way. It wasn't a hymn. It was praising God. And I wanted what they had because there was joy. There was unspeakable joy all over the face of these individuals and they're all over the room. It was saturated in the awesomeness of God. I wanted to know more about this God. So little by little, I inched my way from being on the outside looking in to being on the inside looking out and raising my hand and dancing and hearing the word of God just like we are right now in this room. Then there came, not just an altar call, but a call to baptism. Well, in the Catholic religion, you get baptized once, and that's at birth. You don't even know, you're not even aware that this is happening to you because you're an infant when this happens. And this, in, in, in the religion that I was, um, which is a non-denominational uh, church, it was you made a choice. You got to know who God was, and you accepted him. At nine years old, I wanted Jesus. And my mom saw such a change in her daughter, such happiness that came over me that she could not deny me. When I asked, I was like, I wanted this. She says, yes. And she gave me her permission to get baptized that day. And I'll never forget getting on the bus, going to that church, getting baptized. And coming back, and I was a new person. I was a new creation in Christ Jesus. I mean, everything the Word says about being reborn, that was that was me in that, that moment at nine. I never felt so alive. And then my Catholic faith team calling on the phone one day. We were summoned to the church, Mom and I. And we were basically denounced from the Catholic Church because my mom allowed me to get baptized in another religion, so they saw. They didn't see that we were serving the same God. They said, I got, I, we were denounced. My mom loved God. My mom loves God. She is a, she is a woman of God. She prays. She lights her candles. She still does that. And they took her communion away when my dad walked out, and that grieved my spirit, and I didn't understand that. And then we're sitting in here, and there's a man behind a desk, and he took away her church. She couldn't go back there because she allowed me to get baptized in another religion. But then before we left, he gave me homework. I had to do my rosary like 10 times every night, every bee, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, or my family was, what I heard as a nine-year-old, that if I missed out one night, that my family was going to go to purgatory and it was going to be my fault. Nine-year-old fault. Okay. That's pretty heavy load for a nine-year-old. And then to see my mom weep, she weeped a lot after that. 
about what happened. And I couldn't understand how this God who I just accepted <coughs> and brought me such joy could let this happen to me at nine. So after that, I walked away. I didn't understand what I was doing, but I basically just shut the door on God. I was so confused. I was so hurt. I couldn't. I, I couldn't get over how much it crushed my mom. And I felt once again I had something to do with this hurt in my mom's life. I already thought I had something to do with the divorce aspect. Now she lost. She lost her religion. She lost God because of me. And that's pretty heavy for a nine-year-old. Fast forward this 13 years, and I am 23, and I am living in the world. There's 13 years from nine to 23 holds a lot more testimonies, and that's for another day. But my mom found this new church. And she was begging me to go to this church. Marie, you've got to go with me. Marie, you've got to attend this church. You will love this church. Mom, I work six days a week. Mom, I don't have time for this. Mom, Sunday's my only day off. She heard every excuse in the book because I wasn't going to give church another chance. Not after what they did all those years ago. I wasn't going to give it a chance. But out of the love and respect, for my mom, I finally caved in one day and said, I'll, I'll take you up on it. Okay, I'll go. I'll take you up. I'm going to go to this wonderful new church you found under my terms. I drive myself. I'm sitting on the back row, and when I feel like they've gone a little too long, I'm leaving. That's fine. That's fine. She was just happy just to see that I was going to go with her to church. So I get there, and as I start walking up the walkway to the church, there's scriptures. They had scriptures in the sidewalk of salvation, of God's love. Uh, just And it was just like from, from the first step to the last step until you got to the door, just spoke about this God that it was just chipping away. It was like just one chisel after another after another. This hardness that was in my heart that was making that made me up my continence up at that time. It started chipping away and allowing this like light to start coming through of when I was younger and what I was feeling when I accepted Christ as my Savior and got baptized. What really spoke to me was when I got to the front door, the songs that I heard were the same exact songs <coughs> that I remember as a nine-year-old child. It was the same songs, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was no longer walking, but I was literally just floating into the door, to the back row, I stood there and I listened to these songs until I felt my whole body just saturated with this warmth from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I was just covered in this warmth and this love. I looked at my skin 
and I looked at the people around me, and I'm like, do you feel this? Are they seeing what I see? I just listened. I didn't understand what was going on, and I just started weeping, and I felt this young child inside of me, like just step out of me, and just hold my hand. I was so overwhelmed by the love of God in that moment that I could not deny Him any longer. All that 13 years, everything that had happened in between, all the things that happened before, none of those things mattered anymore. The only thing that mattered was that I wanted to be in his presence and be in this moment for the rest of my life. I didn't want it to go away. And when the church finished singing, in this church, the pastor and, his, and the family were up front. I was in the back now, mind you. The pastor stands up and they would turn and greet the congregation and bless, let's give them blessings and, and thank them for being there that, that day. And so when that occurred and the pastor turned around, it was the same family, the Williams family, was the family of this church, was the pastoral family of this church. It is the same family. God. that God took me to when I was nine and that he imprinted my image into the minds of the senior women in that congregation and in their hearts they were praying for this little girl for years and years and years praying for this little girl at the end they came to me and they embraced me and they hugged me. And mind, this is my first time I've ever been to this church. But they embraced me and they hugged me because the Holy Spirit had already told them that he was bringing me that day. He was bringing me home. And he had never left me. He had never forsaken me. He had not given up on me. Even though I attempted suicide several times in that 13-year time period, even though I made so many mistakes that you would think would be unlovable, God never favors. He never leaves us and He never forsakes us. And He is so forgiving. They hugged me and they told me that they've been praying for this little girl, that you, that this little girl that I gave them, but I was that girl now growing up. Today, I am so happy to say because I learned how to pray at that church. I learned how to pray for others and the salvation of others because of how they pray constantly. My dad, my mom number two, my brother, my sisters, my whole family are saved. They all walk with the Lord. We all have a loving relationship. And like I said, that's there are God doesn't give us just one testimony. This is just a testimony of his faithfulness and his goodness 
of getting me into the kingdom, to, to that he did not give up on me, he did not leave me or forsake me, but I have other testimonies of healing, of, of restoration, of, of overcoming. I have so many testimonies that I look forward to sharing with everyone one day because God did not do what he did for me. He did it so that I could share it with others. That's right. Okay. So that they can know that that this overcoming God, this God that that does not give up, will not forsake you, even when you forsake yourself, even when you beat yourself up, that He is not doing that. He is on your side, and He want, He is just waiting. He's just waiting for us to just receive Him. And I just I just love Him so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, in. Lamentations 3, 23, it says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because His compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning. So I don't care what you did uh, at 11.59, p.m. when it is 12 a.m. one minute later that is your new morning you have an opportunity to change and make right what was do not give up on yourself do not forget who it is that God created he created you for a purpose he created you for a reason he put you where you're at because you you've got a job to do so please whatever you do See your worth and your value through his eyes, not the world's. There are people in this world that do not want to see you succeed. There are people in this world who are jealous about what they see your potentials can be. They will stumble you. They will, they, they will put roadblocks. They will keep you from what your destiny, that the Christ destiny he has in you. They will keep you from it. And it's your, your decision, because God gives us all a free will gives us a free will, gives us an opportunity to make that choice. Sometimes we make the right one, sometimes we make the wrong one. But if you make the wrong one, you have another, you, you have a new every morning. You've got a, tomorrow's coming. So hold on. Hold on and make the right choice tomorrow. God forgives us. He doesn't forgive us. We are our own worst enemies. We do not forgive ourselves. We want to hold ourselves more accountable to the things of our past and the things that we left undone than God does. Because once we don't we don't take up whatever job that is that God assigned us, He already has somebody else coming in to do that job that's going to take care of it. So you didn't leave anything undone. It's done. Someone else completed it though, not you. You have a chance to complete a new assignment. So thank you very much. And y'all are amazing. And I pray that God, uh, I said, Lord, you know who is going to be here, who is going to listen, and I know that um, he will use it for his good. Amen.
the dash in between there. <laughs> so there's a lot more she could have said, you know, of what God brought her through and delivered. But it all started with prayer, right? Because even, you know, when she talked about when, when she went up and the woman was praying for her, it was their prayers that protected her. Even in times when she tried to kill herself, it was their prayers that kept her, right? So even when she talked about, see, we always wait till midnight, you know. Midnight is that in-between, between yesterday and the next day, right? So God's mercies are new every morning, no matter what we've been through, right? And like I said, we all have a testimony, you know, and it's all different and unique in its own way because God has made us all unique and different in our own way, right? So none of us have the same testimony, but we serve the same God. Amen. You know, we serve the same Lord. We have the same Holy Spirit on the inside. And, you know, just like Marie said, you know, he has an assignment for all of us, right? None of us, if we're in the body, and I talked about this, I think last week, you know, we all have a place. You know, we all can't be arms. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, we all can't be legs and feet. You know, everybody's not called to be a pastor. <laughs> no matter how much they try, they're not called to be a pastor, Right? But everybody's not called to be in the ministry of helps, right? You know, we can help, or somebody that's in the ministry of helps can teach sometimes, but they may not function in the office of a teacher, right? So we all have to know our place, and the only way we know that is by getting it from God, right? So a lot of times what we've done in the church is, you know, we, we allow... Uh, Yes, it's not. I don't know what way can we say it, I guess. We allowed our callings to come from man. And, and, you know, man tells us what to do. But no, God is what calls us. It's who calls us, rather. You know, and I, and I shared it with those that have been here before. You know, even he called me into being a pastor years ago. Right? So, before I was ordained, licensed, or any of that, I still functioned in the office because God called me. He, God made a way. But it's only because I was obedient, right? Did I get it right all the time? No. <laughs> Sometimes, do I wish I can go back and change something? Yeah, but I can't, <laughs> right? I can't go back. Yeah, yeah I, I, honestly, a lot of times I wish there was a time machine that I can go back and fix something, right? But some things were not meant for me to fix. I had to go through some things, right? And a friend of mine told me this, brother in the church, he said, Rasan, God brought you through what you went through. You saw what you saw to make you who you are today. Amen. And, and that's ultimately what it is, right? Amen. So there's nothing for us to be ashamed of of what we're going through. I mean, regardless of what we're going through, none of us did any more worse than what Paul did, right? Yeah. Or even Peter, for that matter, right? I mean, even right there, Peter chopped somebody's ear off. And they ran, you know, and he was always in his flesh, always making mistakes over and over. But guess what? One day he got it. One day he got it. And as I said, you know, a lot of times we in the church we reflect on Peter's faults and not see who Peter was later on. Right? That's what we should be looking at Peter later on. But ultimately we should be looking at Christ. Alright? We don't look at Rasan, we don't look at Paul, we, we, we look at Jesus. Right? Because I'm man. You know. Put no confidence in the flesh, right? So, I'm uh, man. But, again, like Paul said, you know, 
follow him as he followed Christ. You follow me as I follow Christ. And trust me, if I'm not following Christ, if you're following Christ, you should be able to see. You should be able to see. Right? That shit. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be perfect always, right? But there's a pattern. There's a pattern of consistency there that you should see. And, you know, we can't fall victim to just because somebody said they're a Christian, that they're a Christian. You know, we we all we 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 to bear fruit, right? And um, I said I wasn't gonna preach, so I'm not gonna preach. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. But you know, her testimony excited me. You know, the first time I heard it, it was you know it was on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday in the house. Yeah, Wednesday in the house. So just like you know, so that right there touched me and blessed me because you know when we started, we started on Wednesdays in the house, all right? But, you know, God is good. And, and I, I hope you all will touch by what she And like I said, that, that's the short version, right? Because there's a lot more there. Right? And maybe one day we'll, we'll allow her to go in between that dash <laughs> on what was there. Because uh, there's a lot more there that will blow your mind. And you, you realize how good God is. Just how good God is. Because he's faithful. Like I said, regardless, you know, God knows the end from the beginning. You know, and, and we don't, and some, a lot of times we, we want to know that from the beginning. But when we come to him, you know, we don't have to look back. You know, we can look back and see where God brought us from, but we don't keep looking back, right? Because now, again, we turn into a lost wife, right? We turn into a lost wife and turn into a pillow song. And he doesn't, um, be quiet. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm be quiet. Amen. All right, let, let's bow our heads.